Welcome to the Consultants Council podcast, a place for consulting industry guidance and best practice advisory. Whether you're working to grow in your consulting career, you're managing and developing a consulting firm, you're working with consultants, or you're just interested in business and high performance advice, we've got recommendations and education for you. I'm Kelsey Kreveling, founder and CEO of Kelsey Consulting, a firm focused on building high-performing organizations, teams, and individuals through a variety of ventures, including the Consultants Council. I've spent my career at the intersection of technology and management consulting, working with organizations across the country to help solve their toughest challenges, while also supporting the growth and development of multiple consulting firms, helping them improve their long-term performance trajectory. In addition, I serve as a startup investor and advisor, promoting the ideas of entrepreneurs as they work to gain traction in their industry. With so many people gearing up to launch their own businesses and establish their own consulting practices, I want to make available the advice and lessons I've learned along the way. This podcast is made possible by Kelsey Consulting with media support by Class Act Media. For more information, check out our site at theconsultantscouncil.com and kelsey.consulting. That's K-E-L-S-C dot consulting. And now, stay tuned for this episode's counseling because the consulting world is full of nuances and the answer is always, it depends. What's possible? Do more. Hey there, I'm Kelsey Kroveling with the Consultants Council and today we're gonna chat about how to select a consulting partner. So if you are an organization uh, or a entity that is looking for consulting support, what do you need to do if it, you find yourself in a position where you think you might need help? We're gonna dive into the specifics of how to qualify that need, how to understand what help is available to you, and then how to actually vet a partner to make sure that they are the right fit for the type of support that you're looking for so that you get what you want out of that engagement. All right, so you are with an organization, whether it be your own as a founder or you're an executive with an organization, and you're entering a situation where you feel like you might benefit from some external support. Maybe it's that you are ready to launch a new service offering or gear up for a new product, or you're ready to strategize for your future roadmap for your organization and are looking at how do we build a game plan for getting to where we wanna go. Or maybe you're in a situation where revenue is not coming in the way that you anticipated and you need some support from a turnaround perspective to really optimize your operations and to get you back on track. Um, or maybe you just need some staff augmentation support in order to get through a large period of growth. Or you're implementing a new, implementing a new software solution and you want help vetting those vendors or you want help actually implementing those efforts in those new systems. There's a lot of different reasons why an organization may seek consulting support. Uh, so the first thing to do is really just, just to just qualify that need and to determine, okay, we're trying to take on this effort and can we do it internally with the resources that we have to date or do we need to augment our abilities either with outside expertise or outside bandwidth or both. So once you've spec'd out the specifics of the type of support that you're looking for, what you are hoping that uh, an organization can help you with, 
making sure that you've really qualified the specifics of the type of support that you want to obtain will make it far easier to then collaborate with potential partners to get to a point where you've got an engagement that you feel confident with, that they're gonna be able to execute upon. Uh, but you also need to determine your budget. How much capital do you have available in order to spend on support? Is it something that you need to be really lean with or is it something that's a massive enterprise effort that is gonna be a lot more costly? Understanding what that's going to be before you enter conversations with different firms will help make sure that you as an organization remain in the driver's seat for that engagement and that you actually get what it is that you're ready for. The worst thing is when you go into conversations with consulting firms and you're not clear on what it is that you want help with and you're not clear on about how much money you're able to spend, that can then completely blow the scope of what your engagement's gonna look like and the budget out of the water. Uh, so being really clear up front on just a ballpark of where you want to be will help make sure that those conversations with different potential partners go a lot more smoothly and it'll help those firms really take your request for support seriously. Consulting firms get a lot of requests to work with different clients, depending upon the firm. Uh, and oftentimes they will put forth more effort to win engagements that they feel are qualified, that they feel like the client is ready to make a decision. They are not just kind of fishing, if you will, for information and that they have the budget already approved or ready to approve, and that they are clear on project kind of start timelines and conclusion timelines and exactly what it is that they wanna accomplish. That just really will make your purchasing process of potential consulting support significantly easier. All right, so when you're looking at different consulting firm options, there's they kind of fall into different buckets so you know on the the top end of the strategy side of man true management consulting there is what's referred to as mbb so mckinsey there is uh boston consulting group and there's also bain and company and those are kind of the the top firms that are notorious and known for being very high level strategy consulting firms. So if you are a very large Fortune 500 company and you are embarking upon really critical you know, change or turnaround work or needing to just overcome specific challenges, uh, for example, like Peloton, uh, organizations oftentimes bring in those one of those three firms because they have a very large scale industry reputation of working with those large organizations. Uh, they also have a price tag that's going to match that and a level of complexity that's going to, to go alongside that as well. Uh, those firms are, are well positioned for that type of work. However, once you get beyond the strategy side of coming up with new recommendations and, and thoughts and considerations for an organization, they oftentimes don't continue into the implementation of those strategies. So then you're in a position where now you've got to find other expertise or other firms that are able to then execute upon uh, some of those strategies that they've put in place. And so just certainly something to consider as you are looking through different options. Uh, once you get kind of past the strategy side of consulting, there's other firms out there that fall within kind of the, the big four plus one 
bucket known as the KPMG, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and then also Accenture. So um, those first four originally were kind of the, the tax and audit consulting firms. Um, and then they've grown into having other areas of expertise across kind of, you know, multiple disciplines. But then there's also Accenture, the largest consulting firm in the world, uh, who you know ranges in terms of the the skill sets and the level of expertise that they provide to organizations, um, both you know very large scale uh, to you know more boutique organizations as well. So um, those firms are going to have a maybe a more competitive price point, um, but they're still going to be typically large scale efforts. So if you are launching a new product, you are implementing a massive new, you know, ERP system uh, or technology system, you know, those are the type of firms that you would look to in order to, to scale at that type of level. They can bring in the very large um, teams, they have offshore support uh, in other countries in order to render support, etc. All right, and then there are the more boutique firms, the specialty firms, uh, the organizations like an Alvarez and Marcel or Kearney or a, um, uh, there's Capgemini, there are many different options kind of that fall within the boutique realm slalom, uh, where these are organizations that maybe have a different consulting model, maybe they're more regional based. Um, they may have an international presence, uh, but they have kind of a, a different viewpoint on how they interact with clients, uh, the type of work that they take on, and the type of support that they provide. So uh, throughout my own career, I've actually had the, the opportunity and privilege of working with a number of different consulting firms through the years. Uh, and I've really gotten to experience the gamut of everything from very small, specialized boutique firms to larger um, international firms that had a regional model, all the way through to um, the, the largest you know, consulting firm in the world. So I've worked with a firm called Sagacious Consultants that was actually acquired by Accenture, worked with Accenture, and I've worked with Alvarez and Marcel. Uh, and then through the years with my own firm, Kelsey Consulting, a firm focused on building high-performing organizations, teams, and individuals, uh, I've had the privilege of actually consulting for other consulting firms. So having firms bring me in and my firm in to help them grow and advance in their consulting strategies and structures. And so with that exposure and experience have really seen kind of the full life cycle of how different firms at different focus points operate and how they engage with their clients and the type of work and support that they render. So that's really kind of just an overview of the, the different types of firms that are out there. Uh, there's some that are just very, very specialized. You may work with smaller organizations that have you know one area of focus. That's the only type of support that they render uh, into the large multidisciplinary multi-industry organization. So really the, the best way to determine what firm or what firms you want to consider as a part of your vetting process is first and foremost, what type of support are you looking for? Secondly, what does your budget look like? And then thirdly, what type of culture do you want to engage with when it comes to the firm that you work with? All of those things are gonna be critical for actually narrowing down the potential list of organizations that you choose to, to have discussions with. All right, so, now that you have qualified your need, you've considered your budget, you understand what types of support out there are available and the types of firms, 
um, you're to a point now where maybe you're ready to actually solicit responses from different organizations. Now, how do you develop relationships with consulting firms? Uh, I'm a big believer in relationship building with clients. And as a result, I would highly recommend for any clients who are seeking consulting support to first and foremost, survey their network of their peers and their colleagues if they don't already have pre-existing relationships with consulting firms or with individuals who work at consulting firms. Um, take a look at those that you know and ask them who they might leverage, utilize, or work with because your peers will likely have people that they have partnered with in the past and they will have different experiences and exposures to those type of organizations and to the results that they were able to provide. And they likely can put you in touch with different partners at different organizations who would be happy to help qualify your request and to put you in touch with the right teams within those organizations to move forward. So once you've established points of contact with the few firms that you may want to interact with, uh, and I, I do recommend getting advice and input from multiple firms. Um, you know, talking with just only one organization about support is likely not enough, um, but talking with you know five is too many. I typically think you know survey at least two to three to four, um, two to three being kind of the sweet spot there so that you have a multitude of different proposals, price points and considerations that you can compare and see how different organizations would handle the requests that you have made. Uh, but once you've actually established points of contact within those firms and um, you're ready to kind of share with them what it is that you are working on, what will likely first and foremost happen will be kind of a qualifying conversation, whether that be a quick phone call or um, uh, a lunch or an in-person meeting will really depend upon the type of engagement and the geographic location of where you are comparatively to the, the teams that you might be talking with and due to the, the complexity of the engagement. Um, but usually a quick phone call is an initiation of discussions to determine, okay, is this a good fit? Would this firm be a good fit for this opportunity? Is it the type of support that they render? And if not, they might refer you elsewhere. Um, and do you even just have a general sense of, do you like the people that you're talking with? How responsive are they? How well equipped are they to answer your questions? Um, I tend to think of the vetting process it's happening in both directions because you as a, an organization that's seeking consulting support are certainly vetting your consulting partners to determine if they're going to be the right fit for you. But at the same time as consulting firms, they're evaluating your organization and you to determine if you're the type of organization and client that they want to do business with as well. Uh, you know, if they've got a full roster of, of work, they have to evaluate and determine, is this the right fit? Is this going to have an appropriate margin for the type of work that they collect and do? Um, and is it going to be generating the type of result that they will then be proud of? Those are certainly all things going on in the back of consulting firm partners' minds to determine if it's an engagement that they wanna take on. Um, and you'll feel that and see that in your interactions with them. If they're really excited about interacting with you and very responsive, that's a good cue that they want the work that you are proposing uh, that they take on. If they're not, they're kind of distant, probably not a good fit. Uh, it's a good thing to start kind of taking a pulse of as you're going through this life cycle. So after you've had initial conversations with the different firms, you know, they're going to ask you questions about your organization, your project, your challenge, 
Um, ideally, they're going to ask you what type of value are you looking to receive as a part of the engagement and what would you consider success? If you've got consulting partners that aren't asking you what does success look like, then they're not doing a good job on their side of qualifying your needs and determining if they can help you get to that end point. The goal in any type of mutual consulting engagement is that you become partners in that common goal and that they are supporting your vision, your idea, your direction, and helping you get there. If they're not even asking about that, then at least for me, that's a big red flag that they either don't understand where you're trying to go, they're not that interested in it, and they don't necessarily know how to get there. In addition, as you're having these conversations, get really comfortable with considerately grilling your consulting options about their skill set, about their interests, about the actual people that they would place on your project. Because consulting firms oftentimes might have deep expertise in certain areas, but that doesn't mean that they have the people who were part of those projects available for your effort. And so really understanding that the resources that they would be staffing to your project, uh, the type of experience they have, the tenure that they have, and the level of oversight that they have. You might end up in a situation where you've got you know, a partner at the firm who has the experience that's necessary, but their bandwidth is very limited. And as a result, they're going to staff your project with individuals who maybe have never even been in your industry. Maybe you're a brand new hire and are now gonna have to be an expert very quickly in what it is that you do, and they're not. Um, doesn't mean they're not sharp and savvy, but that's not where their expertise is. And so you wanna make sure that even if you are gonna have more junior resources on your projects, that you're gonna have the level of oversight and skilled subject matter advisory necessary to ensure the success of the project. Uh, I also really recommend asking consulting firms, how do they effectively manage progress throughout the duration of an engagement? What tools do they use to keep track of your project and your efforts? You know, how are they managing utilization against budget? How are they managing the timelines and the deliverables? How are they making sure that you are comfortable with the deliverables? What does the sign-off process look like there? Uh, how often are they meeting with you and providing updates? And then what action plan do they take in the event of escalations? In the event that things are not going as expected and you are unhappy with the results that are being rendered and provided, what remediation plans do they offer and how do they deal with those type of situations? Knowing the answers to all of those type of questions up front will help you be far better prepared as you then go into an engagement with a vendor partner. You'll understand how they're gonna handle things. You'll understand the level of support that they're going to render, and you will be well equipped to then be able to navigate that effectively with them. The worst thing is when you think you're getting something, you think you're paying a lot for something, and then you find out that what you're getting is not what you thought you were, and that you don't have a course for support and escalation and resolution. So once you know how this or, you know, the organizations that you're surveying are going to respond to those type of questions, those kind of difficult questions that don't have to be contentious at all when you're asking them, but just give you a nice baseline of how they're going to conduct themselves, it's really important then to co-create 
the potential statement of work that you're going to interact with them upon. Um, I know there's certain instances with organizations that are you know, federal in nature or state in nature, public in nature, uh, where they actually have to do formal requests for proposals um, out to organizations and then have an entire complex bidding process for working with those different partners. Um, that's a very structured approach to obtaining consulting or any type of support. And as a result, I'm not covering that necessarily right here because that is a, an approach that doesn't lend itself as as much to being able to choose a partner based on some of the softer sides of an evaluation criteria. Um, RFPs tend to be, you know, you're evaluating it solely on the merits of the cost and the timeline and the ability of that firm to meet all of the, the questions that have been outlined. Um, whereas if you're in a position of saying, you know, who do we want to be the partner that we work with? How do we feel about them as an organization? Are they able to provide the support that we are seeking at this point in time. Um, those are typically a little less formal engagements uh, and as a result, don't have that same level of stringency in the decision-making process. But as a result, then it becomes very important to make sure that you as a, a purchaser or buyer of services are still doing your necessary due diligence to get the outcomes that you are seeking as a part of that engagement. And so I firmly believe in co-creating um, a proposal and a statement of work uh, where you actually get to be a part of that creation process so that when you actually get to review the final proposal that the firm is submitting to you to take a look at, you already know what it's going to include. You already have a good sense of what it is that they want to, to provide. You already have a good sense of the cost that it's going to take. Um, it's not a, a, you know, a quick conversation with them. You tell them what you want and then they come back and just, here's your proposal and it is massively out of alignment with what you can afford and what you need. Um, and so definitely take into account the firms that are willing to navigate that process with you, that want to really ask the questions around what it is that you need, how it is that you want to operate, how it is that you want to structure support, the level of involvement engagement that you're seeking from a partner. Those are the firms that are going to get you to a place where you're a lot more comfortable with the outcomes that they're going to propose and then deliver upon. Um, the firms that kind of take that distance, disassociated approach to determining an engagement structure, they haven't really listened to what your needs are. They haven't really internalized those in order to then create a proposal that reflects what you're seeking and what you're needing at this point in time. In addition, be very leery of the organizations that try to push or sell you on things that you don't need. And that is a very common trait within consulting um, where organizations will advocate and push for entire projects and efforts that are not part of the core competency of what you've requested from them that might be a tangential support, but that are not what you actually need. And um, for me, that's always been a very good red flag. I have never been able to sell something to my clients that they don't need, uh, that would not directly benefit the things that they are seeking and looking for. I can make recommendations for future approaches of, hey, you might want to consider this in the long run, um, but that doesn't even mean that I'm setting myself up to take on that type of work. Whereas you'll certainly operate with certain consulting organizations and individuals within those firms that are pushy, that are and self-serving that are constantly seeking, well, we can expand our project here, we can expand our scope here, we can 
make this bigger, we can do this. That's not seeking what's best for you as an organization, for you as a buyer. It's best for them and their firm and their, their book of business. And so it's, it's, it's wise to learn how to discern quickly the individuals within consulting firms and then the firms in general who have different cultures um, and how they operate and how they choose to interact with their client counterparts and the type of work that they recommend and what they propose. All right, so now that you're to the point where you've really co-created an engagement structure with you know a few vendor partners that you're, you're really finalizing um, a decision to move forward with, um, I think the final stage of really vetting those vendors is you've understood the price, you've understood the timeline, you've understood the type of support resources, you feel good about all of that. And you've certainly also done your due diligence on just them as an organization. You feel good about the company's background. You've looked at some of their case studies, prior work that they've been able to, to render. So there's no questions on that side of it is now, does the firm that you're gonna move forward with match the culture that you either have internally or that you are wanting to create um, or that you feel comfortable working with? And while they don't have to be exact, it is wise to have a collaborative um, culture that you can operate within because consulting relationships for different engagements can become really close. You might have these individuals, you know, on site working within your organization, working directly with your leadership teams, working with your managers, with your, you know, your team leads, etc. Their involvement in the way that they conduct themselves and the way that they do business is certainly going to have an impact on your organization and making sure that you feel comfortable and positive about what that relationship is going to look like and about what you are going to be creating together uh, is really imperative. And so I think that that's kind of the, the final thing that I don't know that organizations when they're making those type of decisions give enough credence to in that decision-making process. You know, we, we look at things from a timeline perspective, we look at things from a budget perspective, okay, that's well and good, um, but also making sure that you will enjoy the people that you work with to get to the outcomes that you are seeking. Because when you work well together with others, you can do so much more than if you were constantly in friction with your vendor partners. All right, so not only is it important to ensure that the culture of the consulting firm that you are considering moving forward with is a good fit for your organization and for the goals that you have that you're looking to achieve and obtain. I think it's equally important as an organization that is seeking exterior and external help to be mindful of the relationship that you are building with that firm as well. Uh, the people that you are asking to come in to support your goals and your venture and your business those are individuals as well. Those are people, they have their own goals, their own growth, their own structure, their own direction that they're looking to pursue and being respectful of them and seeing them as individuals that can help you move forward is really critical and imperative. Um, I've been in so many organizations and worked with many clients through the years and that's not always the case. There's not always a mutual respect between the organization, the client, um, the purchasing you know, organization and the consulting firm. Oftentimes the relationship can, can become rather toxic and unhealthy um, where an organization just kind of sees the consulting agency as, as hired labor and they're really mistreated. And that's really tough because that mistreatment trickles down. 
uh, unfortunately, typically to the most junior members of the team to where they really have to feel and bear the brunt of all of the requests and the kind of inconsiderate nature that can sometimes arise. And so if you're an organization that is seeking external help and support for a project, a goal, an effort, um, I would just encourage being really mindful of the firms that you're bringing in, making sure you like and want to work with them, but then also just remembering to be respectful and considerate and thankful. While yes, you are certainly paying for the support that you are receiving, um, gratitude and support and consideration goes a really long way towards making sure that that relationship is positive and beneficial and that you get to where it is that you are working to go successfully. All right, so in the vein of also making sure that you are treating the consultants that you work with well, I think it's also wise to take a look at if you're looking to have them work with you on site, on-prem, uh, that you have the space and accommodations necessary to substantiate having them work with you in person. Um, there's been many times throughout my career where you know space is a challenge when working with clients, um, where there's not opportunities to have space that is allocated for consultants, and as a result, you know, you end up working sitting on the floor or in a, you know, janitor's closet or in just really uncomfortable, un not very successful spaces. And as a result, the work product suffers as a result of that too. And so, um, you know, with today's technology and the hybrid capabilities of working remotely, uh, I would just recommend as an organization that is seeking exterior support, set up the teams that you are asking to help you create and get to the goals where you wanna go successfully. Make it such that their environments are conducive to them performing at the highest levels that you are asking for from them. Uh, because it's, it's already difficult to create and to do a great job when you are traveling and you're not in your own you know, home and your own bed, uh, you're on the road, that's already stressful and straining as it is. And to then also have your work location be one that is non-ergonomically sound, um, that is stressful, that is um, not peaceful, etc. Those just further compound that challenge of getting a great end product. Um, and so just some things to be mindful of as you are considering retaining outside support and then structuring, you know, the, the perimeters of where it is that you're going to have them conduct that work from. Okay. So let's take a look at the types of, um, pricing models that consulting firms will typically utilize for consulting engagements. You know, there's, there's a mix of many, um, but they typically boil down to time and expense. So they've got a set hourly rate for different uh, skill sets of resources, people um, that will vary based on the individual's uh, tenure and subject matter uh, advisory capabilities. And then they'll also um, charge for the expenses that they um, accrue as a result of working with you. Um, you know, they may provide estimates upfront of what they anticipate those to be, but they're gonna bill you for the actuals. Uh, there's also um, retainer-based engagements where maybe you have um, a set amount that you are going to spend uh, on a monthly or an annual basis, and they will book uh, against that retainer uh, 
based on the time and the expenses that they utilize. And then they will either, you know, we only bill up to that retainer and work stops after that, or we bill up to that retainer and then we, you know, charge you um, for overages, maybe at a discounted rate um, or at an accelerated rate, depending upon the type of engagement that you have um, signed on to with them and the type of support that they're providing. Uh, and then there's also fixed fee engagements. So organization, um, client, like clients, purchasing clients, oftentimes like fixed fee engagements because it gives you a set amount and a set expectation for what the work that you're contracting for is going to cost and take. And you know that it's not going to exceed that amount. Um, that can be really, really helpful. Uh, however, one good thing to note about that is that Oftentimes consulting firms are gonna put a 30% buffer on top of what their time and expenses would be um, for a project of that nature in order to make sure that they're covered so that they've got the room necessary that if they do have to allocate additional resources or accrue additional expenses, that they are able to do so while still being profitable on that um, engagement. Uh, and then there's also incentive-based engagements. So this might be a mix of time and expense or a fixed fee, um, but then that also offers additional incentive payments above and beyond um, or risk-based payments above and beyond the core um, amount uh, based on achieving certain maybe goals or targets. So if maybe you're working through a project where the consulting firm is gonna help you achieve certain revenue goals, um, they might bill you at maybe a reduced uh, time and expense level or fixed fee level. And then they also have large in, uh, you know, incentive-based payments that happen as a result of helping you achieve different metrics. And so those are just kind of the, the general options um, that consulting firms usually work within in order to structure the cost of different engagements. And so as um, a purchasing organization, it is wise to understand how they have calculated what their pricing model is going to be for you, um, how they handle it when they um, you know, might go over projected budgets, um, how they manage their time and expense and utilization, on a week by week basis so that you're getting regular reports out of how they're trending against goals and against um, spend. Uh, because you don't wanna be in a situation where they come to you and say, hey, we're, we're going over budget and we haven't gotten to where we wanna be. You wanna be hearing about that as the project is progressing so that you can make sure that they are staying within the parameters of the engagement that you have agreed to with them. All right, so you know, once you've co-created that uh, kind of proposal, that engagement structure with your consulting partner, you know that can take a fair bit of time, depending upon the complexity of the type of engagement that you are embarking upon. You know, if it's something simple and straightforward, that can you know be a matter of just a week, a few days. Um, but if you're doing something enterprise in nature, it can be far more complex and time-consuming. Uh, and it can range anywhere from you know a casual uh, conversation to a statement of work that's provided, anywhere to you know a very formal presentation and proposal structure with you know multiple different presentations where the consulting firm is coming in and pitching to you of what it is that they're going to be able to to take on and to create. And so, um, you know, don't be surprised by uh, the consulting firms kind of wanting to follow a set route in their business development strategy based on what they do with other organizations. You know, ask them upfront as you're doing your due diligence with them of what does the life cycle of getting to a assigned engagement look like? 
um, because each one of them will vary slightly in what their approach is. Um, so just get comfortable with, you know, what they're looking for and then um, what level of time commitment that's going to take from you or from your leadership team in order to effectively be involved in that decision-making process. If it's just you deciding on a vendor, um, you know, that might not be as complex. Um, but if it is a large organization that is determining, you know, a very large consulting partner, uh, that might be a months long, you know, six months, a year process to come to conclusion on what the engagement is going to look like with multiple different pitches and presentations, depending upon the different areas that are going to be covered. Um, and, you know, that might take a fair bit of time from your leadership team to be a part of those different discussions and presentations and decision making. And so wise to just know upfront based on the type of support that you're looking for who you want to be a part of your decision making team um, so that you are setting expectations appropriately upfront uh, so that you can make an effective decision all right so throughout this you may have heard me mentioning different types of contracts that will um, be a part of working with your consulting partners um, you know there's there's several different um, ones that might be used. And those range from everything from a non-disclosure agreement. That might be something that is signed at the onset of just even having initial interactions or conversations in order to effectively share confidential and private protected information um, with both parties. Um, not all consulting firms utilize or leverage those. Um, oftentimes I see those deployed when a purchasing client has very sensitive information that they want to make available to the consulting firm in order to um, give them the relevant information that they need in order to bid on the type of work that they're looking to do. Uh, then there's also business associates agreements. These are oftentimes in use um, to make sure that the terms of how the two entities are going to work together are appropriately outlined um, and in order to make sure that terms that are in place for the purchasing organization are actually respect that apply to how they operate with other entities are respected as a result of bringing the consulting firm into potential operations or interactions. Um, then there's also the master services agreement. This is typically a contract that will come from the consulting firm that will outline the high level stipulations of working together. Everything from the way that they um, conduct business to the way their operating hours to the ways that you can contact them um, at a high level for issues to the ability to terminate or extend agreements and receive um, invoices and the payment terms that they anticipate and expect um, to how you can conclude um, working together uh, and how you would handle any types of liability, uh, insurance, limitations on liability. Um, there's a lot of different components that are typically covered within the master services agreement, but it really just outlines all of the terms uh, that the consulting firm has for working together. And then there are statements of work. So statements of work are actually the specific terms that apply to the engagement at hand that you are contracting them to work on. And those will specifically outline that body of work. They will likely have an engagement summary of what is expected. They will have 
you know, set deliverables of what the consulting firm is going to be creating or doing. If it's a deliverable-based engagement, uh, they will have set timelines. They will have a set fee structure. They will have um, the kind of expectations of how that project is going to function. Uh, they typically, though, if the consulting firm is astute with their legal counsel, uh, will oftentimes not have information that holds them to specific delivery upon things which could change throughout the duration of an engagement. So um, they might stipulate a specific type of resource that will be rendered at a price point, but they won't put the person's name. Or they might have um, deliverable terms, but then they'll have specific terms around how that deliverable will be accepted. And if it's, you know, um, if you don't adhere to those, then they're not on the hook for how they would deliver it. Um, they might have specific terms around um, the timelines of the project, but then they'll also have expectations for the purchasing organization, the client, uh, that will outline what is expected of the client in order for that consulting firm to deliver upon that engagement. So that if for some reason, you know, the client organization is not achieving um, or putting up barriers to their ability to complete an engagement successfully, that they are not liable for those outcomes then. So if for some reason, you know, there's major barriers put into place or leadership teams were not available to meet with the consulting firm to answer questions or did not provide and make available different technologies or documentation, right? Those would all be expectations of your organization. And if the consulting firm is not receiving that information, then they can't be you know, liable for hitting the timelines um, that were outlined in the engagement. So just things to be mindful of, um, how the consulting firm is writing their statements of work, what they're including, and make sure that you and your um, decision-making team and your legal team have really effectively vetted and understood all of those terms um, that you're comfortable agreeing to them. Uh, and then in the event that projects need to change over time, um, those can be handled in a couple different ways, typically through a change order, if it's a change to an existing effort. Um, a change order will be enacted that will just outline modifications, you know, adjustment and timeline, addition of resources, um, those type of considerations or continuances. Um, and if it's a net new type of effort, those oftentimes will then just be created as a net new statement of work that outlines those terms. All right, at this point, hopefully you have started to feel comfortable and confident in vetting and evaluating consulting partners to get the support that you and your organization require. Uh, for any other thoughts or considerations or questions about how to select a consulting firm, feel free to reach out via the Consultants Council for more information. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Consultants Council. Thank you so much for your interest and engagement. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about by writing in to info at theconsultantscouncil.com. Thanks to Kelsey Consulting for sponsoring this podcast and to Class Act Media for the media support. And with that, cheers and all my best. Have a great week. And remember, what's possible? Do more.